It is Thursday, the 19th of October 2017, and it is block height 490,692. What's wrong with Bitcoin? What's going on? Shinobi, welcome to the show. Uh oh, Bitcoin's in big trouble, guys. Big trouble with Bitcoin. Uh, why? What's going on? So, some things and stuff. Some things and stuff that we're going to today. And our resident artist, Rick, come in, Rick. Hey, everyone. How are y'all? Good, good. And Shanine is with us today. Still in Berlin. Unfortunately, missed the satellite meeting. Oh, we did. There was, cool. a, there was a meeting with Gregory Maxon, some people there on a roof demoing a satellite, but it wasn't like announced or anything. It was like a private thing. And there was the images of it. And we just got this new camera that we'll be using for Block Digest 4K Sony camera. Um, it's my sort of contribution really to the YouTube channel. We also use it for my own personal things, but mostly we want to try and get some like good quality, good quality work with it. And so we've just got it and it's been playing around with it as you do when you get a new toy. And then I see these pictures of Gregory Maxwell on a roof in Berlin, the very same city. I could have just gone over there, got some like 4K footage of setting that up. But uh, anyway, there will be other opportunities in the future. And we also talk about Acnix. Acnix, come in. Hey, yeah, I'm here in uh, my solar-powered RV, doing my thing. Yeah, the Bitcoin bus, Bitcoin bus. So first of all, I just want us to like relish and just savor, savor this image. Thanks, man. Oh, I Thank love you. It. That is amazing. I really enjoyed okay. it. All right. This is Tezos. We'll be coming to it later. I've got this slide in the wrong place. Please, please ignore that one. All right. So first story first. Jeff Sessions, concerned about dark web, says he wants to work on some legislation. Rick, you're up. What, what's the story about? Yeah, it looks like uh, Senator Danielle Feinstein want, wanted to ask him some questions about how uh, the darknet markets worked because of that, I guess, that recent Alpha Bay bust she wanted to bring up how cryptocurrencies were involved and so uh she asked him about it and he said that he had mentioned that they were brought down with bitcoin and you know these are anonymous currencies that you know is a problem for them and she uh said that she's willing to work with him on drawing up some legislation which i was mentioning earlier it's just weird to hear these days where you see a democrat and a republican wanting to work together on something and uh you know, I guess they're going to try and clamp down on more on these darknet markets as they pop up. Good luck to them. So you're telling me that Bitcoin is bringing them together. It's bringing Republicans and Democrats together, crossing the aisle, Great, and yeah. it's uniting them. I, I wouldn't be so fast to say that because uh, Dianne Feinstein is a special woman. Basically, anything that involves making the internet a more permissioned, more sanitized, more unfree, unencrypted place, she wants to be involved. <laughs> so I am absolutely not surprised that she wants to be a part of this. I don't think it's coming together. Um, I mean, it is a coming together in a way that there really is little difference between Republicans and Democrats when it comes to the internet a lot of the time. So you're saying that she wants to get a man in the middle? <laughs> that's about right okay. see i think it's it's kind of interesting though because like 
what what legislation is there like needed at this point? I mean, we've even gone so far as had the FBI get a uh, a law passed that allows them to like hack uh, another computer simply because they they can find probable cause and like something like Tor is used to obscure it. So I mean, ultimately, like the laws are really all there on the book. Like you know, drugs are illegal. Like money laundering is illegal. Like, you know, it's, they've even got the tools to like proactively hack things to track people down. I think it more comes down to like a, a task force or like some special purpose entity to actually do these things because like all, all these laws are on the books. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I personally find it kind of funny that like their first reaction is to talk about like passing laws when like everything's covered. Well, you know, I'll, I'll take it up a notch. I'll take it up a level, right? Where I think they've actually overwritten laws and, and you know, kind of deterred free speech by doing a lot of these things, by, by enabling a lot of this activity. So, you know, what are they actually, what are they actually getting to? What are they actually doing here? Are they dismantling law or are they installing law? Yeah, I think it's that fear, uncertainty, doubt thing they're putting out there right now. Because like you're saying, I don't think they had any legal hangups busting Alpha Bay. I don't think there was anything in there that was holding up some sort of jurisdictional issue to capture that site. I also want to point out that this is the same Jeff Sessions, which is currently trying to get a woman jailed because she laughed during his confirmation hearing. So we have to be very careful because Jeff Sessions has very sensitive feelings. We but shouldn't my, laugh at him. My my freedom of speech, though. Like, what if I want to call Jeff Sessions a grotesque piece of shit? I hope he doesn't get offended with that artwork. We need to have a committee to decide who gets to have free speech and on what terms. Right. And that's what we need. Sort of thing government would do, isn't it? But but then wouldn't right. the committee have to set up a committee to decide who's allowed to decide who who's allowed to have? That's right. It's turtles <laughs> all the way down. It's turtles all the way down. Well, I think that's a nice segue government. into governance. Uh. Yeah, yeah. From one government I'm to another, kind of, another. Go on. I'm kind of I'm kind of curious how this is going to impact that other bill that um, other Republicans were trying to get passed where they said that you could, you should be able, or Bitcoiners should be able to spend up to $600 worth of Bitcoin for a transaction and not have to pay capital gains. I wonder if that is still on the books. I know it's still on the books. And what's interesting about that is, you know, that's a uh, Colorado and Arizona or New Mexico, I believe. And, you know, these are two people in DC and uh, I don't know, I just see more and more. We're starting to see fractured laws where, you know, it's okay to do this in this part of the country. It's not okay to do. And so uh, maybe they're just, yeah, they're saying it's not okay in DC, I guess. Yeah. What about China though? One state to another, another story, another sort of feels like PR man. It feels like more, they're releasing a currency again. Is this another article? China. China. How much yeah. do we care about this article? Rick? Do well, you, you know, I don't think we really care that much because we talked about the crypto ruble and the possibility of a digital, like a digital dollar and all these digital currencies these states are thinking about creating. And, you know, we know that the 19th People's Party's Congress is going on right now and maybe they could decide something 
that is relevant with this situation. But, uh, you know, nevertheless, I mean, it's not going to beat Bitcoin. I just, I mean, like, even if they do issue it, which like, you know, we reported on this earlier and this is kind of just another, like, you know, they're meeting right now. It could happen. So I don't know. You're right. It feels kind of more like a PR thing. Well, it will apparently reduce the risk instance of money laundering. Isn't that a, a feature? Well, I do think love that. <laughs> I well, do. Think I mean, it... <laughs> go ahead. Oh, sorry. You, you, you go ahead, Jenny. I was just going to say, I mean, because, I mean, we all kind of saw this happening. We saw that, you know, nation states were going to either ban Bitcoin outright or at least undermine it and then release or at least try to release their own national cryptocurrency. And I just feel like it look like for any country that does this, I feel like it makes them look really weak. Like, hey, you had to ban the open public blockchain in order in order to give your currency any chance at all. It just seems super weak. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, as, as far as like helping with money laundering, I mean, it, it could potentially, but like it comes down to are people actually going to use it because like a system like this that that could effectively do anything to stop or, or give tools to prevent money laundering it, it obviously comes with the implication that everything everywhere is being tracked and then two on the more practical side well I, i'm sure anybody from america watching remembers the giant clusterfuck that was the obamacare website I mean, this would be a gargantuan technical project in terms of actually like designing the software, getting servers on the back end running up and actually being able to distribute and handle the load of what I assume if this was successful would be huge portions of, of the entire nation's populace. And, you know, aside from the issues of whether or not people want to use it, could they actually architect and design such a system in a way that's scalable? I mean, when, when you look at um, Jameson Lopp, he, he wrote an article a little while ago looking at the resource costs for a full node to query or handle queries from SPV clients. And the data requirements were insane. Like the, the, the computational requirements were insane. And I think he very, very well accurate, okay tongue-tied, wind back. He did a very good job of demonstrating that the, the centralization pressures on these nodes relative to the number of light clients out there is way bigger than anybody like accepts or really thinks. And that's going to be an issue on something like this with a, a national cryptocurrency that's architected that way. And it, from everything I've seen, Governments have a really hard time getting large-scale technical projects like that working. Yeah, that's the article there, right? From Jameson on SPV nodes and Bitcoin. Uh, yes, it is. Cool, cool. Which is a great segue into our favorite person here. Who's Roger? Well, he's a guy. He owns a couple of domain names, notably Bitcoin.com, which is the home i think the hub is it fair to say the hub of all bitcoin knowledge the hydra if you will <laughs> the hub of all knowledge that was denied by satoshi himself right well, satoshi just didn't bag it he wasn't very good at hustling you got to be a hustler you got to know how to bag those domain names he got the dot org just, like a noob 
It just wasn't in his vision. Some good advice for you out there. If you do start a company, you've got an idea and you start pitching it to people, make sure that you bag all the domain names. Yeah. SEO that shit. All right, come on. What's what's Roger up to? This, He's telling the truth, right? He's dropping some truth bombs and <laughs> torpedoes of truth. That's right. Like, <laughs> this is like ironic beyond all hell. I, I mean, like if, if anybody wants to go look at my, my Twitter, uh, I recently went on a huge uh, Twitter tirade that was kind of half like the contents of the, the 2X mailing list and half just kind of putting together some disparate things along the history of Bitcoin that I think have a lot of connections between them. But like the, the middle point I made was like what, what these guys are doing is they're just mirroring arguments. Like they know that what they are saying are just outright lies. And so what they're doing is before people can actually like call them out on being lies, they preemptively call us liars. And they poison the well. They, they literally introduce that, that doubt into the legitimacy of anything we say because they accused us of lying first. And that is literally all Roger is doing. Like he, he's just, just calling people, making a counter argument to him, a liar, while at the same time just spewing like un, undeniable lies himself. And like this is the entire dynamic that they're using to try to just disrupt discourse in this space be, it's all they're doing is playing off of people's perceptions of things and not the actual substance of what is being said by anybody so what's this all about changely saying they consider the longest chain with the most hash rate and difficulty to be the chain the bitcoin chain but it's not the valid chain is it that's right. I love that reply from Francis. You know, we don't, we follow the longest valid chain with most difficulty to be Bitcoin. Validity validity is determined by users choosing a reference client. And that's, that's the important part. That's where it's like, you know, all this stuff about these SPV nodes being the same as regular nodes. And, you know, it's, yeah, like Roger's dropping these truth bombs that are just clouding up the space in a terrible way these truth bombs, these torpedoes of truth, if you will. Gox is solvent. I remember that that torpedo of truth. Do you remember this one? Right. This torpedo of truth. Look at that. That was a great performance. Lovely performance there, backing up MC Gox for those who were around at the time. It was a favorite. And there we go into the minefield that is Tezos next. Look at this massive crash in the price because of allegations among the board. Uh, you basically have Arthur and Kathleen Brightman who run a Delaware-based company that owned the code for Tezos. And they are accusing the head of their foundation, which is a Swiss-based non-profit of bad things. All the details are in the text below, by the way. You can follow along with all our stories in the text. And I have captured because it was difficult really to get a good solid um you know take on this where, where all the details were laid out clearly and it wasn't just some you know quickly rushed um, article reuters by far have the best summary it doesn't look biased it's not pr and they take through the whole thing and i put some quotes in the description 
Shinobi, is this yours? Mm-hmm. So like, I, I, I pretty much read through the whole uh, Reuters piece and, and did a little more poking around on top of this. And, and honestly, I, I can't definitively say what this is, but I do, I do have a strong suspicion or leaning in what's going on here. And like, obviously, I recommend you read the, the Reuters article and, and actually like compare that to my assessment of this. But what I see going on is essentially a, a somewhat older man with, with connections in, in the financial space. He, he met Kathleen Brightman, uh, who he later ended up marrying at a crypto anarchy meetup. And as, as a couple, they started working on the idea that became Tezos. They wanted to solve what they saw as governance issues in, in the way that platforms like Bitcoin or Ethereum work. And at first, what they did was essentially shop around between um, different banks and financial firms, looking for direct funding to essentially develop the, this platform as a tool for these firms. But in their attempts to find funding, it's, nobody was really interested in following through. And so this, this kind of led over time to them establishing a foundation in Switzerland and deciding to do an ICO. And this was all structured in a very specific way with the foundation in Switzerland essentially having total control over the funds raised through the actual ICO. And the Brightmans incorporated out of uh, Delaware, I believe, uh, a company that would handle the actual development and intellectual property of the platform itself. And the arrangement essentially was that they would receive funding to develop things from the foundation, but in the end, they would sell this company and all the associated intellectual property with the actual platform to the foundation. And now that this was set up in a way where they would like they would receive funding to actually build things, and in the end, their sale of that company would be their compensation for actually building out this platform. And at that point, things would be effectively in control of the foundation without any direct involvement from them. And now what's going on here is they're accusing the head of the foundation of mismanaging those funds uh, for his own personal benefit. And this is where like things start to get very suspicious in my mind. I haven't found anything that actually supports these accusations against the head of the foundation. But what the Brightmans are asking be done in response to their accusations is effectively a complete restructuring of the foundation and how the funds are managed, wherein there, there would be specific sub-foundations, I guess you could say, under the, the nonprofit managing the ICO funds, where they would be given a direct uh, controlling interest in. And effectively, the foundation would be crippled and only have a role of allocating funds to these sub-foundations where the Brightmans would there have a, a direct influence in what is done with that money. And I find this very suspicious and just very, like the, the hairs are standing up on, on the back of my neck because the, the initial way this was structured was to specifically segregate the ICO funds from their control to develop the platform with funding from that allocated outside of their control and then to actually sell that company and the related intellectual property to the foundation. And at that point, they do not have 
any hand in that. And see, so the thing that, that really reinforces my suspicion here is the entire structure of Tezos is effectively a, a kind of proof of stake-like voting mechanism for it, its governance mechanism built into the actual platform. And the foundation has an, an overweighted share of influence on that voting process for, I, I believe it was a year after which its influence would be sunsetted and then it would simply be left to the community. So I'm very kind of lost here for any explanation besides scrambling over money with, with the way that the Brightmans are now completely doing the opposite of the initial structuring of this whole endeavor and attempting to ensure that they have direct uh, say or influence over how those funds of the foundation are being used because that obviously has a direct overly weighted influence in the governance of the platform overall. And so to me that this really seems to me like this is just a money grab and an attempt at um, formalizing an actual governance structure for a blockchain platform like this pretty much just imploded on itself be because of, of these two individuals attempting to just grab the money. Yeah, you know, I mean, like uh, looking into this, you know, like you're, you've got a lot of details on this and there's it seems like a lot of stuff where it's just like there's not clearly defined what's supposed to be going on with these ICOs and somebody just, you know, I mean, like you're saying, it sounds like a bunch of uh, backroom sort of stuff where there's just mistakes made and I don't know if they really care about them or what, but I feel like if there was maybe some sort of proper guidance on these things, these this sort of stuff wouldn't exist. Yeah, and Chris, didn't you have, you said something um, interesting today about um, trusting thermodynamics versus trusting human nature? Do you want to repeat yeah, well, that? that, was, that yeah, yeah, sure. That was to do with um, proof of stake and proof of work. We met up with this really interesting chap who was into quantum computing, and he was a proper, you know, proper developer, and um, was really serious business. And we, he was saying that once quantum computing comes into effect, proof of stake will be dead. And I said, well, look, if I've got to choose between an incentive structure that is based around human nature and incentives of like, you know, I don't want to lose this money versus a thermodynamic process like proof of work, I'm going to choose physics every day of the week over humans. And this is the problem with these ICOs is it's not really backed by anything like thermodynamics. It's just you're giving your money away and then they set up these little trust funds and then inevitably people fall out as people do especially when a lot of money is at stake. And I will just draw your attention to the top of the Medium post that kicked this all off um, from Arthur, actually, um, where he's saying that some of the things that have been delayed are things like creating an online resource for contributors and developers to learn more about Tezos, scaling up the development team. Well, yes, that's important. But then articulating our vision to a project more clearly through a series of explanatory blog posts engaging with the community of Tesla's contributors and makers and helping them in their endeavors. So essentially he's saying we needed to blog more and we needed a Slack channel and we needed to be more active on it. I mean, I don't really see much like in the way of code, though I do appreciate that Kathleen did make a quote in one of the articles and it was the Wall Street Journal. She did say that her intentions now that this investigation is going on into the president um, of the foundation, she just wanted to put her head down and code. I did actually provide you with LinkedIn um, 
details of uh, everybody there. That's the Reuters article. This is Johan Jeevers, I, I presume his name is pronounced. And uh, this is the Tezos Git repo. And I've also given you like the LinkedIn of, of the various people involved. So you can go look them up and their credentials and so forth. Yeah, I really like that digging through the code line too. It's like, uh, yeah, where I don't know how much code is in there or anything, but it feels like maybe it's I don't know if she codes it. That's the that's, well, that was my main thing. It's like, do you code or are you a project manager? I think I think that basically this is this whole ICO wave. You're funding project managers who think you know they've got an idea and they think they know how to put it, you know, into reality, and just give me the money and I'll sort it out. But then the bro down. Rick, the bro down, it just does so much, hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, the temptations must be huge. That's where and it's really nothing. They, they, they want that bro down so bad. That's where it's like they don't really yeah. care if these regulations aren't there. They're just going to go for it as quick as, as possible. And yeah, you know, mistakes are made and hundreds of millions of dollars are lost. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. I so yeah, somebody mentioned in the chat. Uh, just basically Tezos is a fork of Bitcoin with uh, 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 So Let's clone Bitcoin and add governance. It will be great. Yeah, I think this should be a warning or like a lesson that going forward, whenever you hear that some altcoin or ICO is attempting to improve or add governance to Bitcoin, like take that with a large chunk of salt because number one, <laughs> I have I have yet to see any altcoin demonstrate that they have actually improved the governance of Bitcoin because the a lot of the arguments they give are things that are actually benefits of the Bitcoin system. So if you're going to claim that you've improved something, then you should actually be able to demonstrate that, you know, there's faults in what you're trying to improve. And if your new governance model depends on you know your the people in your foundation getting along if that's all that's holding it together like you're already screwed from the beginning because like governance is extremely hard to do and the idea that you can just get three people together and they can work together for three months do an ico and that they've they've somehow figured out how to do governance in that time that's insane I mean, we've been have we've had Bitcoin now for more than eight years, and we still haven't figured out exactly how to do things. But guess what? It turns out that that's okay because the system is still working. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking about reading all this. Yeah, it's a load of drama, really, just over the futures price, and so trading at one dollar eighty right now on Bitmex uh, futures, we're Bitcoin equivalent, but um. I just think it's all about controlling the price. That's why all the focus was on, you know, the, the projection. It's like, this is how we steer the narrative. This is like the blog posts and the Slack channel. And that's it. Like 90% of it is just appearances and perception. And then the rest is like, oh, yeah, maybe we should go code something. And Oh, shit, we can't code. So we should just project manage it and hire people to do it for us. And you know, it's a... What's an immediate red flag to me whenever I'm hearing about these projects is if I see them going like full on with the advertising saying, please buy our coin or please look at our coin. Or if, if anyone criticizes them, all you get is them being like really nasty. Like they'll, they'll tweet at the person giving the criticism and it like, there'll be no, they won't be able to back up anything that they say. 
but they'll just say you're you're being a maximalist, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that I've noticed is that all of the, including Bitcoin, all of the coins that I've ever been interested in, they have been the ones that don't do a lot of marketing or their marketing is very minimal. And if they get criticized, they back it up with evidence, with papers, with people who actually understand the technology and they don't come at you with ad hominems and all that. And so, yeah, to me, anytime I'm looking at a coin, if there's a lot of marketing behind it and they're saying that they, especially with things around governance, then I, yeah, that's immediate. I have to look into it a lot more and I'm really skeptical of it at that point because that's, that's something that turns me off is excessive marketing. Yeah, just hey. let the text speak for itself, right? Indeed. Okay. Inspector General, U.S. Mint should consider Bitcoin's impact. Rick, yeah, so th up. this was kind of a, an interesting uh, thing here. P pretty much um, the, the, the Treasury is um, working like a lot of other branches in government right now to hold themselves up to the standards of the, the data program. Uh, the, what the acronym means, I'm kind of escaping me right now, but it's effectively in a large part to do with auditing uh, the, the budget and then the, the technical systems of government offices. And in specifically, the, the aspects that um, I think are kind of tangentially related to what's going on in the crypto space right now are in the case of the Treasury directly, um, when they're engaging in activity with other departments, there's obviously the ne necessity for data to be shared and link sh or linkages between the respective departments' networks to be established. And they're looking at those right now as very serious uh, potential attack factors, especially with the, the increasing rate and severity of cyber attacks targeted at U.S. government uh, agencies. And then a, a lot of the other part is has to do with them tracking their own budgets. And one of the big things in um, how, how they're doing this is actually a portal they're making available that has a lot of uh, data such as social security, um, death records, um, different parties who have been um, banned from engaging in economic transactions with the US government departments and essentially like just a filter list to kind of red flag things where you cross check people you're considering um, giving money for any purpose against people you're not allowed to and one of the biggest uh, problems in this was with just the basic social security death records uh, which I would assume is there because um, people are using uh, dead people and their social security records effectively to launder money. I, I can't really think of another reason why that would be a, a data set that everything is cross-checked against. They don't even have access to the complete data set regarding social security death records. So even with all of these, these big programs and the huge budgets set up to run them, there are still gaping holes in their ability to actually isolate and prevent fraudulent payments in a government budget. And so I think like it, this wasn't really um, what the Coindesk article itself uh, went into, but I think one of the interesting things here is, is using um, the potential to use 
cryptographic primitives or other kind of permission databases to better track these kinds of things in, in a way that's auditable. Because effectively right now, all, the, all they have is the different siloed databases and then a, a gateway to query things from them. And the, the kind of cross-database organization there isn't really that effective if they can't even make available the complete death records of people so that you can't simply like defraud the government budget with, with a dead person's social security number or, or you know, fraudulent uh, entities that they're essentially paying things to. And at the end there, like kind of, it, it wasn't really the, the, the bulk of the report, but an aspect that they did recommend the Treasury um, look into is just how like FinTech in general could potentially disrupt the business model of the, uh, the Treasury and banks. And I, I think specifically they were talking about payment apps like, you know, PayPal, Venmo, and then of course, obviously cryptocurrencies. And I, I think one of the biggest uh, things that are kind of going to spur research along that line is simply the, the cost of coinage. I mean, it's, it's been years now that that's printing coins like the penny or the nickel are twice or more the, the value of their, their, their face value as a, a unit of currency in terms of the metals produced. And that's not really sustainable. So I, I think right now what this kind of shows is that the, the treasury is taking a very in-depth look in the, their procedures for engaging in programs utilizing technology, like the, the different databases they have to maintain and control access to, and how that's going to uh, be further integrated into the U.S. economy. And then also kind of just a cost-benefit analysis of how they're managing currencies right now and kind of starting to be a little more open-minded to the alternative uh, technological methods that they could use to cut costs like that. Because, I mean, obviously it would be ridiculously cheaper in terms of material costs to be able to deal with small amounts of uh, fiat denominations in some kind of digital way instead of having to actually pay twice the, the value in terms of, of uh, fiat to issue coinage to represent those denominations. And I, I just really think it kind of shows that, you know, the Treasury and a lot of economic institutions in the country are really starting to kind of step back and have those oh shit moments. Like we really need to reorganize everything. We, we can't just kind of band-aid little things here and there and continue operating things in the way that we are now. Yeah, indeed. So I, I noticed this as you, as you were speaking about it. So there is a database of all the dead people and basically they're having trouble reconciling that with the master database of the people that are not allowed to make payments. So people who are not allowed to make payments are basically using the uh, social security numbers of dead people in order to transmit value across space. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the, the only that's one example. I would, yeah. I would see that because um, like otherwise, why do you need to check the, uh, the database of people who are dead unless people are using those identities to receive fraudulent payments. How, how would you send a Bitcoin transaction from a dead person? Do you think that would, no, <laughs> well, it doesn't really they, work. Unless they were unless willed out. Key. Yeah, unless you got a will, right? <laughs> unless you've you know, got that private key somewhere, you break into that house and maybe get the treasure and then somehow figure out the pin and 
yeah that'd be tricky so they're basically dealing with this sort of legacy database they don't really know how to control yeah it's, it's just it's they don't have any kind yes. of central point to like cross-reference everything so it's like you know let's say you have a thousand people just died this month somewhere well unless that actually makes its way into the database it gets recorded the death certificates are tied into everything well until all of that's done i could take one of those person's social security number and then walk up to an office somewhere and put that down as a contractor that a government would pay for something and they pay that money out that money gets moved around and disappears and then oh a month later hey that that guy's dead why why did we pay him money for for this this contract you know what's pissing me off though how much money this is costing taxpayers like they're paying basically to clean up dirty database paying people that are probably charging the government a lot of money per hour you know hundreds of dollars an hour right these experts these men in their 50s 60s whatever bureaucrats are turning up writing documents like this and trying to figure out how to refactor the code of some really old system that's antiquated and no longer fit for purpose yeah quite it's, a, uh, yeah. yeah go on rick i'm sorry but yeah it's a damaging system there's a lot of uh, problems out there with waste and different budgets that you know, I don't know where all these intersect, but I'm sure it's hard to keep track of these massive bloated budgets and where exactly all these dollars are going. And it's something that I really hope will be uh, once Bitcoin gets in there and you start seeing like what your money's being spent on whenever you do pay taxes in Bitcoin, you could be like, OK, well, there my Bitcoin went there and then it went here and I see it's paid for that instead of it's disappeared into the ether somewhere. Yeah, quite aside from the assumption that governments should be choosing who gets to make payments or not, in any case, like one might argue that that's just a natural property of the universe that we have, that I can, you know, truck barter in exchange and give you things. And this idea that, well, because terrorists use, you know, money to finance their services, we should ban them, right, from using money. And then next they'll say, well, let's uh, ban Toyota utility vehicles because we've seen unprecedented number of pictures posted up on YouTube from vice journalists depicting these militants using Toyota pickup trucks. And, you know, Toyota make really good utility vehicles. I should add that. Like, I mean, Top Gear, the BBC program actually did this whole thing with a Toyota utility vehicle. They kept trying to blow it up and knock it off the roofs and stuff, and it still, you know, still kept running afterwards. There's a reason so they could, use them. <laughs> yeah, could 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 we see a ban on utility vehicles coming out of Japan? I mean, that's well, kind let's of just the... follow this logic through. Yeah, I mean, this probably ban mobile phones as well. And... It really is just like a, a consequence when you start restricting economic activity between people. Well, then you have to build up these structures to in, to monitor that, to to enforce that, to keep track of all that. And the, the more things you try to restrict, the more the costs of operating that enforcement arm bloat and grow and become harder to keep track of and inefficient and introduce their own opportunities for that money to be siphoned out for things that are not the, the purpose it's supposed to be going to, like whether that's that's ethical or not based on your opinion. And it's just that 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 
feedback loop. Like as long as you attempt to restrict those economic interactions, that cost will map to that. And the, the more you restrict, the more that cost will bloat. And it's just as long as you're trying to meddle in other people's economic relationships, that cost will be there and that inefficiency will be there. And the bigger the black market will grow. Yeah. But the government, governments are terrorists, governments are gangsters. Don't people get this? Like the reason these other gangsters exist is because governments let them, right? Like people aren't getting that. It's just, oh, it's okay because I'm in this gang, I suppose. It's all right because this government's legitimate because it was democratically elected, like you ticked a thing on a piece of paper, but you were only really given the choice of two parties. And then all the big media outlets, like they pick a side before they go ahead. And a lot of it's based on donations and who's sucking who off and who's, you know, paying who. And then like that's democracy. You get to feel like you're in control. It's like one of those controlling spouses that lets their partner feel like they're in control so that actually they can maintain control over the relationship. Like it's totally delusional. It's a really dysfunctional relationship that people have with power, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, um, you got you got to pay for your protection, right? You got to pay for the protection that so, so you can negate the social contract, right? I think that's how that works. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. got to pay for that for sure. I mean, like it that's comes, all included yeah. in those uh, those taxes that you're paying. But uh, like you're saying with the power, I'm thinking, uh, you know, hopefully they'll look into this and they'll say, wow, this is a lot more efficient way of doing things. But with all these backroom underhanded deals, you know, they might see those efficiencies and say, well, this is really going to cut into my back pocket. So I don't know whether or not we're going to let this get through. And that's that's just where it's like, yeah, the government, I don't think, is really serving the servicing the people that are uh, they're representing. We got Theo Goodman joining us. What are you drinking today, Theo? He's muted. Tell you what I'm drinking. I'm Cheers. drinking Pua tea. Pua tea. I'm drinking. I'm drinking uh, single malt. Uh, oh yeah. A Fifty million. Fifty million. Got a single malt right here. No way. Singleton. That looks really, it's really nice. good. Twelve years uh, old. So yeah, it's, it's a good one. It's a good one for people that haven't had whiskey before and want to try it out. Singleton, highly recommend it. Is that available at uh, Aldi or Lidl? <laughs> it's available at one of those uh, Turkish shops you find in Berlin that are open at like one o'clock in the morning. Because I was oh, yeah, back from, like, a It's a card of yeah. They're, They're open, open like 24 hours a day and you just walk in there and it's just like alcohol yeah. everywhere. They sell alcohol, cigarettes and sometimes ice cream. Yeah, and That's you need, and it's important that they have at least one cold beer that costs 50 cents but each one has a beer <laughs> yeah. one yeah. cold really cold beer that's 50 cents for a half liter so you have the full range you have you know the lux and then you yeah. get of course your 50 cent beer uh and you call and that is so we're doing we're doing story time here uh that's it's the i'm gonna well i created a word for it i don't think i created it it's called the walk beer so the 50 cent beer is a walk beer pick up when you're on the way somewhere. You see what I mean? Because of course you can't yeah. walk anywhere without drinking, of course. You just pick up <laughs> no, a walk beer and you have that on the way. Yeah. 
All right. How do we segue this into the governance and stuff? Well, obviously, the government has no business telling anybody whatsoever whether or not they can have a beer when they're walking. That that's just not their business. But there was a government. I think it was the Belgian government that took the liquor license back by one hour from 11 p.m. down to 10 p.m. and apparently it cut alcoholism and alcohol-related, you know, crimes and things down by like you know some significant percentage just because they closed the shops earlier. And that's what regulation does. Regulation just means like we get everything to be the same and we decide by a committee, the committee that's like elected or basically installed. The people that turn up get to decide like when your shops close, when you get to drink stuff. But all they're doing yeah. is they're looking at you like a statistic. They're not looking at you as an individual. They might look at your case study, but they're mostly just looking at bell curves. You know, like what's the mean? What's the average? Well, we know that the average, like if we cut back the hours, we did a trial over here in this town. We noticed that drunk driving like reduced by a certain percentage because there were certain behaviors that people adopted to compensate. Like people didn't go out at 10 30 thinking, oh, I might just catch, you know, I might just get a beer before I go to bed or something like that. But it's ah, oh, wrecked, it's 10 30, the shop's closed, you know. Yes, yeah, what regulation in, is. In New Orleans, they got a they got a strong regulation to make sure people keep drinking and they got access to, you know, keep spending their money there on beers because it doesn't stop. It's 24 seven and you can walk the streets. There's definitely those like places where you just stop and grab a beer and it's just regulated in a way to where there is craziness there all the time. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's the culture now over the years. Sounds yeah. to me like they're just trying to stop me from having fun. That's right. So if you want to escape these kind of governments, there are Pacific islands that you can go to and pay to get citizenship, not residency necessarily, but you can get these idyllic islands. However, we're very disappointed to report that the island of Vanuatu has now retracted its statement that it will be accepting Bitcoin for its $200,000 citizenship program. I have given you a plethora of links in the description below this is our last story of the day that really tries to go into detail about where this misunderstanding came from because the original statement was on the 4th of october right and it was this letter actually the letter was dated 29th of september but this is the press release october 4th 2017 and we have a statement here uh, addressed to jeffrey bond chairman of the Vanuatu uh, Information Center. And I'll give you their LinkedIn here. And he made the statement, or somebody you know, from the Vanuatu Information Center made the statement that Vanuatu would accept Bitcoins, approximately 42 Bitcoins at the time this was released. This then got picked up by a whole bunch of media outlets and they started saying, oh, you can now buy citizenship and it was a whole story about tax havens. And now that story has been retracted now they're saying, no, you can't accept cryptocurrency. And this is from the acting general secretary, Samuel Guerrero. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, so that's it. But let me quote to you what the Vanuatu Information Center is you know, described as. But in their own words, the Vanuatu Information Center, VIC network, provides a government-authorized platform for dissemination of accurate and reliable information. Let that sink in for a minute. 
So it wasn't very accurate information. I'm a little bit disappointed because this was my this was my last ditch plan. Code is, is you know go to the island. Code is law. Well, they didn't do a smart contract. See, if they'd done a smart contract, they wouldn't have been able to get out of it. Yeah, maybe <laughs> they're confused. Is it and uh, take Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, or two X. So they're just going to put it on a hold oh, right now yeah. until they yeah, figure yeah. that out. You know what what they should really do because. You know, what happened is they went to Bitcoin.com and they were like, okay, hold on, wait a minute. Right. What is this? So we're not sure. And then somebody asked the other person, are we accepting the right thing? And so now they have to, you know, put a front. Okay, sorry, guys, we just made a mistake. But really, they're just confused. They, ha they haven't decided which code is law yet. Yeah, so you're going to have to, like, cash out your funds if you want to do that escape. Unfortunately, the residency is difficult to get in these tax havens. You can get citizenship. Um, and Vanuatu is very appealing because it's a Commonwealth nation. It gives you access to, I think, over 120 nations without a visa, visa-free travel. Um, and it is good, you know, for almost a quarter of a million dollars. Not bad. Yeah. It's the price of an apartment, you know, in a major city like Berlin. And then you well, can get yourself a nice passport. And if it all goes tits up and it's a nuclear war, you could just get... Get the hell out of Dodge, fly to the Pacific, and camp out on maybe, the beach and wait for it to finish. Maybe you people could just do a personal ICO to buy citizenship. You know, just I mean, two hundred k. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just do their personal ICO citizenship to this uh, place, and uh, I don't know. You have the tokens, and I don't know. I'll do. I'll do cool stuff. Take pictures for you, I guess. Right, okay, guys. So, what we need to do is right, to do an ICO, set up a, a Swiss foundation, fall out with the chairman, and then seize all the funds and then just have a big bro down on the island. Who's up for that? I'll be there. Yeah. Big bro down. All right. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. I what can't. Saying? Thoughts. They're inappropriate. My brain is 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 being ridiculous right. today. Inappropriate. Uh, final thought there from Shinobi. Uh, please refrain from using uh, coleslaw, Remy. I I can't stand this stuff. Just just throw it out. Like I don't want it. Not near my sandwich. Not anywhere. Just get the coleslaw away. Oh oh. Ugh. Yeah. That's that's relevant. That's relevant. Oh, I, have, I have something. Oh, it's Shanine, yeah. I'm frozen. Oh, I'm back. Can you hear me? No, you're not. You're sword. You're sword out. Go on. Okay. I was, well, the one question I had about the Vanuatu story is, is it possible that the letter that that article was using was not real? Yeah, of course. It's all fake news. Well, yeah, I, I have a, a, a hypothesis about that. I think what happened is a single individual made an agreement with them to take his Bitcoin, sell them on an Australian exchange to provide them with the fiat value, and then somebody somewhere thought it would be a nice PR story to spin that as accepting Bitcoin and then got yelled at. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, that's a good insight and not at all inappropriate either. Um, 
Very good. Well, I, I could give you else? an appropriate thought if, if you want. We on final thoughts of the day or final thoughts of yeah, the day? Yes, yes, yes. We're on final thoughts of the day. I'm wondering why why isn't Mike in space from Bitcoin Car Talk on the Coinbase influencer of the year voting list? <gasps> that say they have every year. You know, they have guess who is on the list though? Um, one of the really well-researched uh, bloggers, Bitfinext, is on the list of most influential places <laughs> of the year. But Mike in Space from Bitcoin Talk on the list. Uh, I will say the professor didn't make it on the list either. That's good, maybe in my opinion. Vladimir but Putin's you can also do writing. He is on there. Yeah. I think so. I saw uh, someone yeah. saying he was on there. Oh, well, he is on there. Okay. I am offended. That's my new conspiracy theory. My new, con my new conspiracy theory is that the, uh, the professor is Bitfinex, the blogger. Uh, you, know, uh, you don't know. It could be. It could be. I, 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 am, I am pretty certain, just myself personally, that it is a particular trader that I know not very well who sold most of his coins around seven or eight hundred dollars and pretty much played the entire uh, token issuance thing from Bitfinex the wrong way and lost a lot of money. So, yeah. well, there's also other people on the list. I mean, who I don't know who cares, I guess, but I just wanted to say, everyone, whoever you think. But only if you want to. Is anyone from the Lightning awesome. team on the list? Uh, lightning. I feel like we should feature, we should feature the list. Somebody give me so. a link to the list so that we can show it. All right. So we can, we can feature the list. We can feature the list another time, and and do it properly. I will just say, um, if you if you do enjoy the show, you you can like and subscribe. We always say. Only if you want to. I will point out that we now have 908 subscribers. See that right there? 908. Is that right, Shani? That's not lying to me, is it? Yep, we definitely have 908. And we, we're not that old either. I mean, we've been going for like two months. And I just feel like, you know, we're not trying to do growth hacking. We're not trying to do any of that. Once we get up to a thousand subscribers, guys, we can actually have this, you know, super chat thing where basically you can bribe us to answer your questions. To be honest, I'm going to answer your questions whether you pay us or not. But it is kind of fun. I'm not sure what we're going to do with it yet. We'll have to have a, a discussion about it at the foundation in Switzerland in Mumble. We, 92 we people away from Throwdown. Guys, we're, we're yeah, almost we there to down. Who's going to get the bro down? It's like a game of Monopoly. Like, who gets to bro down? And who gets to, like, push the other people out of the suit? It's going to be Bob Barker. Money involved. Yeah, it's got to be Bob Barker. I think Bob's <laughs> definitely going to get the bro He's down. He's going to be the bro. If you yeah, wanna, and... Go on. If you want to pull up the uh, influential people list, Rick just posted it in the... Oh, cool. In, internal what, am I on here? What, am I in the top five, top ten, something? Where's the I'm blue monkey? Yeah, I was looking for a bug digest. 
What? Wait, what is this shit? Well, yeah, I know, like, Bitcoin this car talk is clearly the most influential, right? Bitcoin yeah, car talk is not only... Bitcoin car talk is not only... It has double I. It's not only influential, it's also innovative. Very uh, innovative. I see Ian what Greg, you did there. Ian Greg is on there. Like, do you see that influence? <laughs> Satoshi Nakamoto, whereabouts unknown. <laughs> yeah. Wow. More like, yeah. more like existence try. unknown. Shaolin Fry. I would have been insulted if he was not on there. Definitely. Best exchanges. There you go. No World Crypto Network. Yeah, I think uh, Jimmy. Oh, yeah, time base, time base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Oh god. Yeah, nice. Cool. All right. Enough of that vanity shit. So yeah, once we get to a thousand, we'll be able to do this stupid super chat thing, and you can pay us, and then I don't know what we're going to give you in return. Probably just troll you or something. I can't, oh, I can't guarantee that. We'll yeah, we'll tell you what to do. Yeah, we can't guarantee say, the quality of this show. What do, I, what do I? The question is, what do I do? And then we tell you what you should do. Yes, if you don't know what to do, we will tell you what you should do. That's that's the that's the value proposition. Because we're right. oracles, we will tell you when that's to right. buy we're oracles when to with sell. thought leaders. <laughs> We're thinkfluencers. But, but keep in mind, we don't have time people. for this. We don't have time for this. Um, our Twitter what do we have time for? I mean, I'm trying to figure, you know, we have to figure out how to build build this in, but it's okay. Yeah. All like, right. I feel like we should. No, we're we're should, at the end of the show, I guess. We'll be right 50% of the time. The end. Yeah, we've just we've basically just been rambling for the last fifteen minutes. All right, we'll edit it out later. No, we won't. Maybe. All right, guys. Want to thank Shinobi, Rick, Shanine, Theo, Atnix. Thanks very much, and of course, everybody who is watching the show. For some reason, you've stuck with us, uh, all seventy-eight of you. So thanks very much. You are the resistance. If you did enjoy today's show, you can like and subscribe. But remember, only if you want to. Bye for now.